Welcome to the WP Builds Podcast, bringing you the latest news from the WordPress community. Now, welcome your hosts, David Wormsley and Nathan Wrigley. Hello there and welcome to the WP Builds Podcast. You have reached episode number 329. It's the ninth episode in our Thinking the Unthinkable series and it's entitled WordPress is too expensive. It was published on Thursday the 1st of June 2023. My name's Nathan Wrigley, and a few bits of housekeeping before we join David Wormsley. The first thing to say is we won't be having a podcast episode next week. I'm taking a trip to Athens to attend WordCamp EU. If you're there, I really hope that our paths cross. If you're not there, normal service will resume the week after next, so sorry about that. For those that are curious about what we're doing over at WP Builds, I've added a new section to the homepage. If you go to wpbuilds.com and scroll down a little bit, there's a black section entitled Coming Up. And at the moment, it's showing three cards listing three events. The first one is happening on the 1st of June. So it's the day this podcast is released. So if you're lucky, you might be able to catch us live. It's me chatting with Anne McCarthy from Automatic all about what's coming up in WordPress. In this case, WordPress 6.3. Also, on the 13th of June, I'll be having our UIUX show with Pete Chineri, and then also picking up the WS Form webinar series. We're on episode five. That's going to be happening on the 21st of June. So those little cards will give you the calendar dates, but they'll also give you calendar links so that you can book those events into your calendar. So remember, that's on the WPBuilds.com homepage. The WP Builds podcast is brought to you today by GoDaddy Pro. GoDaddy Pro, the home of managed WordPress hosting that includes free domain, SSL, and 24-7 support. Bundle that with The Hub by GoDaddy Pro to unlock more free benefits to manage multiple sites in one place, invoice clients, and get 30% off new purchases. You can find out more by heading to go.me forward slash WP builds. Once more, go.me forward slash WP builds. And we do thank GoDaddy Pro their ongoing continuing support of the WP Builds podcast. Okay, what have we got for you today? As I said at the top of the show, this is the ninth episode in our Thinking the Unthinkable series, and today we're discussing the subject, WordPress is too expensive. What's your opinion on this? We probably can find ways of building sites completely for free. We are, of course, able to download the software utterly free, But do expenses creep up? We've got plugins, we've got themes, we've got hosting, we've got firewalls and security, all of that stuff. Is it possible to do things on the cheap and how might we do that? I do hope that you enjoy this episode. Hello, this is the ninth episode of our Thinking the Unthinkable series. And today's unpalatable thought is WordPress is too expensive. Nathan, surely we can dismiss this one straight away as insane ramblings, right? It's entirely free. It's so not entirely free, though, is it? We both know (laughs) it's not entirely free. Yeah, Yeah, Okay. so there's obviously complications to this. Of course, the software itself is free but during the course of this episode we're going to try and talk about all of the ways where the costs really can pile up and whilst if you know if you've been using yeah. wordpress for any length of time you'll probably know what those costs are but there certainly can be a lot of them so yes it's free and actually do you know what 
especially with full site editing now just called site editing i do feel mm-hmm. that if you if you really do want a bare bones website but you want a little bit of customization options then mm. you really could do it for free but you really are going to be limited in the scope and probably what you're capable of doing will will be limited shall we say Mm. And I, you know, I mean, I'm one of the people that love or loathe Gutenberg, and I'm, I tend to be on the loathe it side of things where you're in the love it. But, you know, I have to concede here that, you know, if you're looking for something that's not expensive, this Gutenberg, even if it's not where it should be right now for everybody, it is seeing a lot of good investment, meaning that it is a proper competitor to the alternatives most people who want to DIY it anyway would have, which is Wix and Squarespace and those kind of things. So, you know, from that angle, you know, it, it is, uh, you know, from a DIY's perspective, certainly it seems uh, a, a competitively cheap option. Yeah, I wonder what wonder what it would have been like if we didn't get Gutenberg, if we were still using what's now called the classic editor. I wonder what the landscape yeah. for WordPress would look like at this point, you yeah. know, whether a lot of us would be clamouring for some kind of page builder functionality built in with the ability to edit headers and footers and all of that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's interesting. But um, I think it had to go that way just because really the WordPress.com, I guess, which in some way props up WordPress.org, there was direct competition between things like Wix and Squarespace. And so this editor had to be built. Now, whether or not the editor that we've got in WordPress is as good as the editors in third-party SaaS apps. I guess it's Mm. debatable. I've certainly experienced glitches and problems with Gutenberg, and I've also experienced incredible UIs in all sorts of other rival products. Some of them have got nothing to do with building websites. You know, they're just SaaS products like CRMs or something like that. But, um, yeah, yeah, Yeah. I, I think it had to happen. Yeah, well, I, I've always struggled with this. Obviously, I'm coming from the point of view somebody's used it long term. And when I came in, it was it was the free way for me to be able to get into the dynamic web, to be able to do things like I was I couldn't have possibly done it before, like get into e-commerce and membership sites wasn't available. And largely, I came in that without paying a penny. But over the time, I've seen um that you know, I've slowly adopted more of the um, premium options that go with WordPress, which has seen its growth over the years. So I kind of started free, and I've actually ended up using Gutenberg free in the end. But in yeah. the middle, it's cost me uh, quite a bit because I've jumped on board with a lot of premium add-ons. When um, you began using WordPress, do you remember how the messaging was on WordPress.org? So did it talk about free and all of that? Because now, at this moment, if you go to wordpress.org you the big message the big h1 message is wordpress grow your business that's an interesting flavor isn't it and then underneath that the text is create a place for your business your interests or anything else with the open source platform that powers the web so it doesn't really get into free it just says open source and so i guess I guess most people know that that means free, but it doesn't specifically go out of its way to say it won't cost you a penny, which is interesting. Yeah, and I think when I came in, it I don't know, it felt like you found this little secret club on the web 
that were finding a cheat way to get into all this clever stuff. So WordPress, you know, was still mostly seen as this blogging platform, but a little bit more simpler for people like me than something like Drupal. And um, there were all these like wonderful people doing these free plugins to extend this blogging platform then. So there were people like Justin Tadlock who got me in with his first kind of attempt at a membership plugin. And all these things were free. It was their experiment. So it felt like you, you kind of got got into this small club of people, these developers who knew a bit more than you and you could jump on it. So that's how it felt like. It didn't feel like some big organization. It felt like this real true sort of grassroots uh, open source project when I came in and I was just finding wonderful ways. And I think that's how it was in the early days. I think people, you know, it wasn't the obvious choice um, but I guess it, people were coming in because in some ways it was the obvious choice to a lot of people. It was, you know, with all of these themes, which were ready made and good to go for bloggers, that was pulling actual people in as well, you know, so. Yeah, it's really, really interesting that the WordPress.org doesn't really talk up the free. So we got that message, grow yeah. your business. And then beneath that, dream it, build it. And yeah. then it talks about how you can see what your site will look like with blocks and so on. And then underneath that, powerful and empowering uh, you style it your way plug plug in and extend there's a bit of a nod i suppose to the 50,000 55,000 it says at the moment uh, plugins but again it doesn't say free it says make wordpress do whatever you need it to add a store mailing list portfolio social feed analytics you're in control with over 55,000 plugins um, ah. i'm just seeing if there's any mention of free anywhere built by build for yourself not by yourself community yeah. at its core there's lots here but i seem to remember that that was a big thing back in the day when i was you know using drupal and magento and things yeah. that the free thing was was a big was a big part of the pitch now it's definitely much more professional looking shall we say and and it looks like that's been that's mentioned less and less and i wonder if that's because somehow we all know that it's it is in theory free but in practice there's costs attached yeah, Do you, uh, I mean, the, another explanation for that may be because there's a starting assumption that it is the free open source option, so they don't need to plug, you know, don't need to say it so much. Yeah, but yeah. I mean, essentially, it it never was in in because of the fact the way that it's built, it needs a server, and and that means that you have to buy hosting if you're going to do it yourself and pay for that server, aren't you? Yeah, and actually, we should probably launch why it's not free right at this point. And that's the first thing, right, is that you've got to yeah. obviously put it somewhere. In the past, you've always had to go to some hosting provider, so whichever company that is. And it was interesting. We did quite a bit of poking around on the internet before we hit mm -hmm. record, and it really is fascinating how much or little you can pay for that hosting, you know, I guess yeah. you and I have both been around the around the house so many times that we've got a real good idea of where the price point is that we're happy with. But if you're yeah. coming into this space, you know, you can pay hundreds of dollars a month or almost nothing a month. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I do think there's an element where, you know, WordPress obviously has gained its popularity because it does like all open source uh, projects. You know, you think, ah, there's a good way of getting stuff cheaper than I need to do. And it's definitely been a trap for me. Um, you know, I consider myself, even though I started with code a bit, uh, still I was a fairly naive DIYer when I started with WordPress. So it was a cheap start 
for me to get on with it. But over the long term, not only are there the, the plugins which you are just constantly tempted to keep buying into, which keep increasing their price as they see their value is worth more. And but the hosting and maintenance is something I didn't really understand with it because you know, you've got this big, uh, all these plugins that you can try out, but what you don't realize is somebody new who doesn't understand hosting, everyone you add uh, increases the amount of server resources it requires. So you end up up in your costs in terms of hosting. When you and started using WordPress and chucking in plugins, did, yeah. you, did you even really have an, an idea that you were going to have to pay for these well, ostensibly ad infinitum, let's say for several years, because you you installed something, it went onto a client site, that client yeah. then obviously needs that plugin on their website from now on. And although you probably won't be making use of any new features, it's now a part of their website. So that license has to be renewed because I definitely fell into that trap. Not only did I, did I buy plugins, at different times of the year. So nothing ever renewed at the same time. So, you know, you'd have a couple <laughs> yeah. of things renewing in January, you'd have a bit of time off and then one or two in March and several in June or whatever. There was no pattern to it. So I I slowly started to ramp up and ramp up and ramp up. And then I was sort of shocked one day when I made a spreadsheet of everything that I was using. I, this is yeah. so terrible to admit, but I, I genuinely had no idea what I was spending and it was way more than I thought it was and that was just yeah. plug-in license renewals and most of them were just on client websites and I really wasn't even sure if they were making any use of them <laughs> yeah yeah we know this and I, know, I mean that's we've all seen the surge as well to well yeah this is getting a bit much let's look out for lifetime deals <laughs> yeah um yeah but um yeah and, and i think when you came into wordpress you were already prepared to buy yeah i think you had already decided as you'd done drupal for free basically not paying for stuff that's right you yeah. came into wordpress already with the view to get the premium stuff that was perhaps the professional way you had somebody to support it pay for that in my thing because i went with wordpress a bit longer i i was all free 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 but in that time it seemed okay because wordpress didn't change that much i mean at best and i think it would even skip years it only had a fairly trivial update once a year and most of the plugins again were developer-led did one thing so basically when i was building those sites i didn't really feel there was a maintenance job i didn't need somebody to support it it was kept fairly simple as time went on suddenly i realized well actually i need to jump on with people who professionally support these plugins and i expect them to do more for me as well so yeah same as you you know suddenly you get to the point where you go wow i am paying a lot <laughs> yeah I, I remember the the spreadsheet you know i had to scroll several times to get to the bottom of it there were <laughs> dozens and dozens of plugins in there and some of them not cheap and some of them just really overlapping i'll tell you one thing that's curious that i because i joined wordpress after that whole premium plugin debate had gone away you know nobody was yeah. nobody was arguing that premium was okay I um because that was all in place when I arrived it was it was okay for me to spend all that money and I didn't really think about it twice and so I ended up frequenting the pages of the pro license if you know what I mean I, I never really spent a lot of time digging around in wordpress.org the plugin repo trying mm -hmm. to find answers to everything typically I would go to Google and mm. Google things, and usually, you know, the, the, the website of the, the pro version is optimized better. So let's say, yeah. uh, for example, I wanted a form plugin or something. 
the WordPress.org repo form plugins pages are not going to rise to the top. The the, the ones that you're going to pay for are. And so I think yeah. that also helped drag me into spending money. Yeah, but I think, you know, you and I kind of got to know each other about the same time of really investing in those plugins. We kind of saw that was the professional thing. We're, we're building sites for clients. We we need professional backup. We're going to buy out. And that was quite a change for me. That was a sort of awakening of becoming professional. You know, I, I'm going to buy. But of course, you know, I, over the time, I flipped the other way where I'm just thinking, wow, this is a whole bunch of dependencies, not only an expense. Yeah, I kind of flipped in that at some point, I realized that I was just running my business badly. And yeah. me having to charge clients for these licenses, not only was a complete time sock, but I also, you know, I really wasn't wanting to put a premium on top. So if a plugin cost $100 a year, I wasn't mm. trying to wrap that up in, I don't know, charging $200 and an, an, yeah. an administration fee, if you like. I got to the point where I ended up saying, look, this is the website I'm going to build for you. And it's going to require this, this, this and this. Will you go out and get them? And then just give me the license codes. And then it's up to you to renew them in the future. That, in the end got rid of that headache for me and the clients never never griped about the fact that what do you mean we've got to spend money on plugins <laughs> they just saw that as a business expense you know they could write it off for tax plus it enabled them to get functionality that I couldn't have built um, yeah. and certainly couldn't have built anywhere near the cost of $99 a year so that's the way I sidestepped that I made made my business offset that cost to the clients but didn't we also, at the same time, I mean, it's also at the time of really investing in premium plugins at, you know, quite a high cost, uh, was also at the same time where we was also saying, well, actually, there's another income through the hosting and site care, yep. you know, and you would build this in. So it was like, you know, everything you bought that was a premium plugin was an extra option to you join our club, you know, on your site care. And you've got access to all these things that if you left us would cost you this amount. Yeah, that's an interesting one. And I never really went down that route that way because... Yeah. I just know how woeful I am at keeping a track of things. So yeah. as an example, to, to this day, I still get things that renew and I have yeah. no idea that it's coming. And I should know because it's the same day every year. Um, I probably could have gone in and clicked clicked on a button somewhere to say notify me before that, you know, before the payment's going to go through, but I didn't. And it still happens to me. And because of that, that real inability for me to manage when things were happening and when the billing cycle should occur. I just decided it was easier for me because I wasn't trying to make any money out of that anyway, just to just to give give the licenses to the clients and, well, you know, get them to get their own license. Yeah. The difficulty for me with WordPress is that um, over the time, the value because uh, – because of how popular it's become over time and everybody who's a vested interest in plugin makers and also, you know, there's been more specialized WordPress hosting available. You know, there's a lot of people who have been up in the value of what their product is worth or what they think it's worth now. So we've seen, you know, as, as we mentioned before, the, the, you can really pay a lot for your hosting. Um, and in some ways, um, you know, I've needed to up what I expected to pay in hosting because simply I would cram more of the plugins and use up more resources. So I needed better hosting. But yeah, it does feel like over the time, it's like, wow, for me, some of this has kind of 
the, the cost of some of plugins and hosting has gone way beyond what I think is worth the value to clients. Yeah, I guess it's interesting, isn't it? Because you're deeply embedded in the, the ecosystem and you really understand what's required, you mm. can probably sidestep a lot of that. So as an example, I'm sure you would be able to get really a good server for a very inexpensive cost because you mm. know what you're doing. Yeah. But it's not a case of just clicking a couple of buttons and up, look, you're, you're ready. You're off to the races. You know, you'll have to support that. You'll have to figure out how to recover if there's a disaster. But you'll be able to do it and you'll be able to save yourself a lot of money. Whereas I think people coming into this space, DIYers, you've described it in our show notes as is there a trap for DIYers mm. because they you know they're coming in it's a bit like a good analogy would me would be me going into like a second-hand car salesman showroom I, I haven't the faintest idea what I'm doing the, the guy in there could rip me off blind and probably has several times um, and I really wouldn't know I would just assume okay Right. Okay. It's got that. I need that. Right. Do I need those? Yes, probably. I'll take those as well. It's a bit like that. If you come into this space, there are so many competing products. The prices seem to be going up and up and up. And you're constantly being told that your website needs this thing and that thing for Google, yeah. for SEO, for optimization, whatever else it is. Yeah, it, it all starts to ramp up. But you, you can avoid that a bit because you know what you're doing and you, you're in the weeds every day. Yeah. Did I? Did we mention it? We had a chat, I remember, last week where I mentioned this. I don't know if we said it in the podcast, but a revelation to me suddenly became about the fact that WordPress does still rely on a LAMP stack. So you need that server and that server has a cost. And, and WordPress.com effectively is in the hosting business for servers. And so are many of the people who are buying out the plugins now, those traditional hosting companies are there. Now, how I've been able to cheat the system first with hosting is when the cloud um, option was there to manage your own cloud hosting. That allowed me to less depend on hosting companies to do all of that for me and go independent and do it more cheaply. And then more significantly for all of these people now is the serverless option, which is becoming an option both within WordPress because you can go headless, um, but, you know, externally. So I do think, you know, there's an element of um, both WordPress.com and a lot of the hosting companies need to be able to bring people in with easy ways, cheap ways to build their sites in order to effectively lock them into their server-based hosting. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Because I think it's fair to say that over time, the the things that you might need for your WordPress website have increased. You know, maybe a decade yeah. ago, you may have installed one, maybe a couple of things. And now I think quite a lot of people would require their website to be more functional. You know, it might have a booking system in there or e-commerce or an LMS mm. or whatever it might be. So mm. you you end up with more and more things in there. I feel like the prices have slowly been going north. Maybe that's just inflation, but maybe not. But so that then creates a space for people to come in and figure out cheaper ways of doing it. And it, it feels like <laughs> yeah. it feels like some hosting companies have really got into that. So, yeah. you know, you can think, I'm sure that you could mention a whole bunch of different companies who offer really cheap, flattened website hosting for yeah. pennies, really, a year. And they've yeah. just sort of seen that, haven't they? They've seen that, okay, people are grumbling about the cost of hosting. They're not entirely sure that the 
that the cost benefit balances is in their favor why don't we come up with a solution for that and they're filling that market it feels like it's still a tiny slice of that pie but maybe in the future well certainly you're hoping i think that that will yeah. become a bigger part of the pie and make it cheaper to host sites yeah I mean, can you imagine? I mean, it'll be a long way in the future. And I don't know if WordPress will ever steer that way. But, you know, can you imagine if Gutenberg becomes a very good user interface and they find ways that you can, as they're looking into at the moment, where you can start to operate that using the JavaScript technology without having to depend on the LAMP stack to build your sites. And then that can be turned into static output, you know, led by WordPress.com com even you know so it changes its business format i mean then if it did all of that stuff it would be moving to where we are going i think and it would just be the ultimate leader but how on earth it would ever become from what it's been is this you know 20 years old it almost is now isn't yeah, it WordPress? Yeah, yeah. so you know and it was built on an, another technology that lamp stack and I, I, it's you know how will it bring everybody together to that but you you know i don't so as I move a little bit to less dependency on WordPress, I always keep in the fact that you never know how it's going to surprise us in the future. Yeah. Know? Yeah. <laughs> um, I, and what direction it might go. You yeah. mentioned that WordPress.com, in, in your opinion, was like a, um, yeah, basically like a hosting company in a way. Yeah, so it's, it's a server-based hosting company yeah, for so people who need a LAMP stack, you yeah, know, really. If they, if they pushed all of those free javascript mm. in the browser based possibilities you you do wonder mm. if that would be shooting themselves in the foot and what the impact would be on wordpress.org because of this sort of trickle down uh, way that the the project works yeah but you know what i mean i i imagine in the same way that someone has been put into a kind of serverless uh, building of, of Gutenberg that I'll be surprised if WordPress.com aren't at least investing some money in looking how they can be the next uh, Versailles or um, Netlify or whatever in their hosting approach, you know? Oh, so, I see. Do you see what I mean? Yeah, I think that yeah, we yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't think it'll ever stop stop there but i mean to move to that at the moment in a way that jamstack movement is a threat to wordpress because of its old stack if you like but you know with the headless some people are going that way and there's no reason why effectively wordpress couldn't go that route itself you know so, yeah yeah uh, so we've talked yeah. about we've talked about hosting being a considerable cost i mean at the yeah. minute you really don't have too many choices you are going to have to pay something for hosting mm. um mm. Whether that's a tiny amount or you want to spend a giant amount is really up mm. to you, but you can't escape that. Plugins, it feels like really um, um, most websites are going to have several plugins in there. Sure enough, you can probably get them for free. Depends on the functionality you want, but that's going to be another expense. So hosting plugins, add all that in. The money's starting to tot up on an annual basis. It's probably still not that alarming each month, but when you add up, the as I did, the cost... Um, every year it suddenly starts to be a bit daunting. What else might we be paying for apart from plugins and hosting? Well, you can be paying for these things going wrong. I mean, at the moment, I'm looking over a potential client site who, you know, they their, their software is now abandoned now because there are other ways to do it. So a rebuild is their only approach. So that that is always a possibility or, you know, if you're not too careful with what you pick for your software and you don't do your updates, of course, you know, it can get very costly in terms of fixing a security issue, a hack. Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah, that's mm. an interesting point. I, luckily, I've been largely immune from that. WordPress has mm. been, and the plugins that I've chosen, 
have mm. insulated me. So I feel really lucky to have gotten away from that. But there's there's also this idea, hopefully a, a, a money saving idea, of canonical plugins. This mm. this this hasn't really happened yet, but I kind of really like this. And this is this is the idea of shipping some things which are more or less suitable to be put into WordPress core, but not mm-hmm. quite. And yeah. and I don't really know what the the pantheon of canonical plugins would look like. But you've got to think it would be things like speed optimization, possibly some um, SEO basics. I don't really know, but those kind of things. And the idea is mm. that you would be able to get those for free from WordPress.org, but also they would come with a guarantee that they would mm. be maintained, kept secure, constantly updated. And in, so in, in many ways, they are basically core, but an option to add into core. I don't know if you think that's going to be something of interest and certainly a way of saving a bit of money yeah i think so i mean it, it's it's logical that wordpress should go that way in some ways it's a terrible threat to some of the plugin authors that we've supported over our time it really is yeah yeah uh, um but you know logically i mean it's the, the obvious way because the one downside that wordpress has is that it can't like wix and squarespace um change um, you know, change to reflect technology moving. It has to, you know, do it slowly because of the fact that there's lots of different plugin authors there and they can't break stuff. So with Canonical, if you say there's a set of tools that are going to work with the new Gutenberg project and they're all going to work together, well, they can all change together and somebody coming in new who knows this, <laughs> how they communicate this is another thing. But if they know this, then it's kind of going to be your safer option, isn't it? And your cheaper option. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. If there's a well, let's take SEO as an example. Let's imagine that that ended up as yeah. some sort of canonical plugin. If you can mm. get a decent free version, which you know is going to be updated, it's not reliant on a particular individual who might, excuse the reference, you know, get fall under a boss. This is being maintained by um, responsible people who will go through security audits. It seems like a bit of a no-brainer to use those bits and pieces. I guess we'll just have to see how that whole idea yeah. of canonical plugins goes and what the scope of that is um, yeah oh, I, was... I mean the scare the scary part about that is 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 a does allow an extra level of control if you like by one person really matt you know over how you know the direction of wordpress you know once you've got that in place it, it very much but you know you can see the logic of it and why yeah that's it's... a really good point because if something gets the badge of canonical yeah. Presumably it would it would sit inside a different area of the WordPress repo. You know, yeah. you could filter down to canonical plugins. It's almost like a it's almost like an endorsement, isn't it? Whereas at the moment there's a whole heap of plugins that are managed by um, automatic, let's say, and you have to go and discover those. They don't they don't sort of surface themselves by default. Whereas these yeah. ones they really would and that might be well something something that commercial plugins worry about because obviously discoverability is a really really big thing yeah and you know there's there's going to be a lot of politics in this and it's always been a tricky thing god knows how it really works but there's this competition and cooperation all the time pulling in different ways and so you imagine you know you get a canonical seo plugin but the big player, the number one, has been Yoast SEO all of that time. And 
now, you know, if there was something that was seriously threatening that, it threatens Yoast. But Yoast also have been one of the biggest people for contributing to the WordPress project itself. So there's a real kind of difficult thing to balance here, isn't there? Yeah, I, I feel there'll have to be some very clever um, moves around <laughs> yeah. what what is a canonical plugin and who gets to put into it and yeah yeah be be interesting how that goes just a total aside nothing to do with yeah. the cost of anything I saw a, a piece this week which we talked about prior to clicking record and I just thought it was mm. an interesting idea around canonical yeah and and it was a, a, a piece that I'll link to in the show notes where somebody on the WP Marmite website um, I'm not entirely sure who wrote it but if you go to, if you click on the link in the show notes, they've created a post called What If WordPress Moved On From Blogging? And this was the idea of stripping out the the post functionality in WordPress so that all you had was pages and whether or not that might be a sensible default for WordPress going forwards. Um, and I really like the idea of this and making the blog functionality, so posts and categories and archives and all of that, making that a feature which you have to download, i.e. a canonical plugin around mm. posts. So totally off piece, but just curious as to what you think. Yeah, heretic, burn them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a blogging platform. What the heck? No, it does make sense in the modern day. I mean, particularly, you know, what who is being attracted to WordPress has changed, doesn't it? It's not yeah. the blogging platform. And a lot of people are, you know, the threat is Wix and Squarespace, who fundamentally their customers are not going for a blog, they're going for pages. So, yeah, kind of makes sense. But gosh, I, I, I can't imagine how that one will play out in the I, wider community. My guess <laughs> is it won't play out, but it, I just thought it was yeah. a curious idea in that if I was yeah. building a brochure site... I yeah. would definitely like it to be that way, you know, because yeah. I, I really do. It always never ceased to amaze me how confusing it was for people who were my clients differentiating the what is a page and what is a post. It yeah. seemingly didn't matter how many times I explained it. It was very hard for them to see. Yeah, but it looks the same. Yeah, okay, well, it's not the same. A post is, you know, it's got an archive with it and you can create them over time and they'll go in some kind of order and you can search for them and all. Yeah, but that's a page. It looks like a page. Yes, it does look like a page, doesn't it? Um, and so I felt that in in many ways, if it was a brochure site, having it that way, configured that way around was, would be really yeah. great. Yeah, and exactly. I mean, our route into WordPress is through that you know, we're largely certain yeah. people with static pages, brochure sites, that kind of thing that was our route in. So yeah. it's, I mean, I don't know. It's just, again, you know, with WordPress, we're saying about this, it's always difficult to kind of know your audience, you know, with it, because there are so many different ways into WordPress, I think, and opinions on it. So it's kind of what you make it, isn't it? So yeah. for us, that makes a lot of sense, given our background and difficulty of understanding posts to people who probably wouldn't use posts. Yeah, <laughs> I knew it. Sorry for that, a complete aside, yeah. but... Yeah. Just getting, no, no, back to right. the, getting back to the cost of the website argument or whether it's free, um, I, I know that you at the minute are really trying to strip down the, the the dependencies that you've got, not only in terms of free plugins, but also the ones that you pay for. How's that endeavor going? Are you managing to strip out a lot of the things which you once thought were essential? Yeah, well, there's a lot that's changed for me. For one thing is that 
I feel like I've grown up a little bit now. So I try and lead the clients to do a bit of design thinking, if you like, really empathize with the uh, the user and know what it is that they need to complete their tasks. And most of the time that has meant stripping away a lot of rubbish that I used to think I needed for my website builds, a lot of galleries and drop down menus and all sorts of clever stuff it doesn't need to be there because it doesn't serve the purpose. So a lot of that, if you like, was before I moved to where I am now, I did a lot of simplifying saying, do I really need this? Do I, can I build this myself? Can I simplify? So that's my direction. And so I reduced my dependency. Ultimately where I've gone now is I'm still using WordPress daily and freely back to where I began, but I'm using it now to create static sites locally um, and made it free. So yeah, I mean, I've really stripped back again. So it, it, WordPress I, for me is free again. Yeah, I was going to say, so maybe don't, without mentioning yeah. names, if you don't want to. Yeah. About, are there any things which you still depend on apart from WordPress? Is there one kind of can't let go of that plugin that you're going you're gonna to be using till, till the end of time? You know, I don't think, well, though, I will mention the name because I'm happy to, happy to promote them, which is, uh, for me, it's been very convenient to be able to use WP Code Box because it's like bringing um, a coding system within to WordPress. So I can do a lot more manual stuff. So for me, that, but it's not absolutely essential. I know how I'd go if that disappeared. Um, so no, there isn't any, I've tried to avoid all the dependencies, but still, you know, it's that basic uh, way of organizing my content, which is more back to the code. WordPress is still, you know, uh, king for me for that because it makes it so much easier to work with it with some really simple plugins. So if um, if WP Codebox is now the only thing which you are more or less guaranteed oh, to put... Oh, there is one other thing. Oh, I go think. on, yeah. Yeah, which we've talked about before, which is... Uh, um, simply static to turn the sites into static. But again, there are other ways of doing that. But yeah, those two together are probably my most, you know, depended on. But that's, um, a, that's a free version, right? Yep, yep, free yep. version. So you've got a dependency there, but in terms of this podcast, it's not actually costing you anything. And WP Codebox, I think, is no longer costing you anything, right? That's that yeah, you've managed exactly. to get it's in on a, some sort of lifetime deal, right? Yeah, exactly. So I pay for that once and that's good. But you know what? The thing is, and I, I'm stealing from somebody else on their YouTube channel, what got me going on this kind of way of simplifying things, if you like, was somebody who, with different tools, I can't remember what they're using, but this shows how a novice can use WordPress for free and get the hosting for free. And, and the, what they showed was you just download something like uh, local WP, so you've got it on your local computer, free, fairly easy to use if you're not technical. You load in WordPress, which it can do very easily for you. You go over to something like Astra Sites. You load in something, perhaps using the Gutenberg blocks, get a design, fill it in with your content, put in something like Simply Static to turn it into a zip file and then upload it to a program like Netlify and your free allowance will probably give you a free site. So everything there is free, right? I mean, you... Yeah. So WordPress free, the Netlify allowance for the hosting free. You're using yep. um, Simply Static to flatten the site, and that's you can do that in the free version. So you've got some dependencies yep. there. So you're not free of dependencies, but in terms of no. money, that those sites are free. I guess the only downside there is that it's on your local machine because you've cut yes. out the sort of hosting side of it. But 
it does mean that there is no cost there. How do you how do you work with your clients on that then? Do, do they just send you details and you work with them and it's on your screen? How, how do you how do you modify things? All right. Well, yeah. I mean, this is the whole thing about getting people off the the idea that they rely on a, a CMS. I mean, really, over the years, what I've decided is that most people they want to. I mean, if you say we talked about this before, if you say to a client, "Do you want a way to be able to change your own content on your website or not? Do you want to do it through yeah. me?" They're always yeah. going to say, "Yeah, I'll have the." But the downside is this: is this huge dependency and cost in the type of hosting that you have. So I think now I will largely leave people to say do you actually need a cms because it does have some costs that go with it or would you rather put it through me here's the benefit of putting it through me is that i think about this stuff all the time so when i'm putting your content in i'm going to be thinking about the latest device what resolutions are going to be there i'm going to be thinking about performance what google are looking for in terms of its metadata do you want to just shove it to me instead and i'll do it for you so i'm leading people away from the content management system but you know, I mentioned this quick, easy way for novices, if you like to start, I put an extra step in, which is to go via, you know, hand code it and then go via GitHub to put it out into a static version. So I, I've made it a little bit more complex. That's but, just to automate the process. So you don't have to well, do the it's there, of but the it's zip. also, yeah, it's also a backup process as well for me. So you can go back to earlier and also a way of being allowed to, you know, bring in developers who might need to build you something custom into the project everybody knows how to use github and they can fork it and that yeah. stuff yeah you know, so we, we should probably but, draw attention to the fact that your your version of flattening websites stands in contrast to headless which is a different yes, approach exactly. and I, I suspect that headless is not a particularly cheap way of going about things although it is mightily clever and uh capable of doing all sorts of amazing things connecting wordpress on the on the back end to something different on the front end, but they're not quite, they're not really the same thing. No, no. And you know, I mean, it's all of that. I mean, I never got the headless. We've had conversations about yeah, this before. Hard. You talked about it and, and honestly, I just didn't get it. I was like, well, why would you want to pay all that money for that complexity when you can put cash in on when I was very much in the CMS, but now I appreciate it, but I've got a, a kind of cheapskate way of sort of bypassing that because mm. it is complex if you, but if you need a CMS, if your client is the type who actually does need to put their content in, and of course, you know, if you're publishing with a you know a large company and they actually do individually need to go in that, they don't kind of reliance on me is pointless. They're going to need something like um, headless, aren't they? If they want to go the static route. Yeah, yeah, if they want to go the static route or just a regular WordPress website, if they just want to keep it, you know, traditional mm. and simple. Um, okay, so we talked about the monetary cost. Do you want to quickly, because we're on 40 minutes already, bloody neck, um, oh, do you want to talk about the, the sort of freedoms in the more philosophical sense? No. You don't? <laughs> no, okay. No. Um, no, we can. Yeah, we should mention that because the, uh, one of the biggest confusions always is with the word free with WordPress, which is maybe why they're not mentioning it because... You know, much is made of the freedoms that come with the GPL. I think these days, which is, should we just run yeah, read them, them out? Cause they're, they're yeah. cool actually. They are the freedom to run the program for any purpose, the freedom to study how the program works and change it. So it does the computing as the user wishes the freedom to redistribute copies so that users can help each other, the freedom to distribute copies of modified versions of others. And yeah, uh, so. I do wonder how many people even 
get what that means, but also <laughs> care about what that means. So as an example, yeah. I don't suppose an end user really is all that bothered about the freedoms. If, if you go to them and a client, I mean, if you go to them and say, well, there's this free piece of software, I think the the instinct there has often been, what do you mean it's free? How can it be yeah. free? Uh, that's yeah. not right. There's something a bit fishy here. And then you go on to explain <laughs> this and say, actually, it's a, it's pretty unique the way this works, but this is how it works. It's hard to explain, but they get it in the end, and I think they like it. But I do think that the, we are the only people that care too much about that. It's it's people like you and I who are obsessing about WordPress all the time. I don't think most end users really have much to say about this. I, I would, I'd be really interested. We Obviously, we've talked this about this before with GPL and the fact that because of this kind of freedom, it does mean that you've got these GPL clubs that yeah, can just yeah. take their copy and distribute it to other people. So, you know, for a few dollars, you can go and buy any of the really expensive plugins and put them in, assuming you can trust the GPL club that you're getting them from. And I just wonder, because it seems to have gone more, well, Again, this might be something to do with my YouTube viewing, but I get a lot of adverts by companies that look quite creditable now or spending a good deal of money on YouTube advertising to say, you know, don't spend so much money on your WordPress plugins. Come to us. Oh, really? Yeah, oh, you see, that. yeah, my I barely watch anything on YouTube, and, and certainly my YouTube consumption isn't polluted by that. But what? So you're saying yeah. that these GPL clubs, which are basically using the freedoms that you get to take copies of commercial plugins yep. and then redistribute them for money. There's nothing yep. nothing illegal about it. There's, there's something sort of, I guess, morally questionable <laughs> yeah. about it. But yep. they're getting all slick and, and clever, are they? They look like big businesses now. That's fascinating. Yeah, they've got proper present. You know, usually you would. it's kind of one of these hidden things, you know, uh, where it always feels a bit dodgy, you know. But um, no, no, they're... You know, they're facing it out. They're employing proper presenters to come on and explain how you don't need to spend so much. You know, they've actually got a, a face. Obviously, it's somebody they've employed to do that job. But yeah, it, it kind of looks creditable. It really does feel a bit like biting the hand that feeds, doesn't it? If they, oh, yeah. if they're incredibly successful, then ultimately yeah. they're eating their own lunch, and you know, at some point they're going to starve. Yeah. That's really interesting. I, I'm not. I, I don't hang out in those places the gpl clubs I, I i don't even know how they work or how you might sign up for them but that's <laughs> fascinating i mean but that that is more free stuff though isn't it you are suddenly into the realms of even things which you may have had to pay for yeah that's free and in your scenario where you're taking the website offline yeah. so long as you can be fairly sure that the version that you've got is clean at the time that you install it you don't need mm. to be updating it because your website's never live. Yeah. And, um, you know, I uh, i mean, I used to run a little uh, Beaver Builder Beginners Facebook group. And actually, I was quite surprised to see how many people had appeared. It's a very small group. How many people had appeared who clearly must have bought um, Beaver Builder through a GPL club, you know? And uh, they didn't they didn't see the distinction. You know, they, they thought they bought Beaver Builder, you know? They bought it from a GPL club and they were coming in for advice. So clearly, it is grabbing a lot of people wow wow that's mm. yeah that's really interesting yeah definitely a shadier side 
of, <laughs> of of the whole thing. Actually, do you know what? That would be a good episode for just dedicated to that. One of these thinking the unthinkable things, something along the lines of GPL is, clubs are great, aren't they, or, or something? You or, know, yeah. Is sleazy. GPL is sleazy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think at forty-five minutes, we should probably knock it on the head. I think. Yeah. Does it? How does it boil down? Is WordPress free? Maybe. Can it be free? David proves it can. Is it typical for it to be free? Probably not. You're going to be paying left, right, and center for all sorts of things. Yeah, yeah. I think that's the case. I mean, it's as expensive, I guess, as you decide to make it, really. Oh, um, oh, oh, that's the perfect place to end it. Let's let's go no further. Pearls of wisdom dripping <laughs> out of David's mouth. That's, let's end it there. Okay, no. see you next time. Well, I hope that you enjoyed that. Always lovely to chat with David about these things. What do you think, though? Is WordPress too expensive? Have you noticed the cost of using WordPress creeping up over the years? Perhaps you're still managing to do it cheaply. Give us your thoughts. Head over to the WPBuilds.com website and search for episode number 329 and leave us a comment there. The WP Builds podcast was brought to you today by GoDaddy Pro. GoDaddy Pro, the home of managed WordPress hosting that includes free domain, SSL, and 24-7 support. Bundle that with the hub by GoDaddy Pro to unlock more free benefits to manage multiple sites in one place, invoice clients, and get 30% off new purchases. Find out more. Head to go.me forward slash WP builds. And we really do thank GoDaddy Pro for their support of the WP Builds podcast. Well, we won't be back next week. As I said at the top of the show, I'm having a week off. We're going to go to WordCamp Europe. Hopefully, I will see you there. If you do see me, come and say hi. I'd really appreciate that. But normal service will resume the week after that. So we'll see you there. Have a good week. Stay safe. Bye-bye for now.